Hello, hello. Welcome to Twin Flame Transformation Season 2. My name is Michelle and I will be your host and guide. On today's podcast, I'm so excited to introduce to you healer and yogi Hillary. Hillary is a twin flame, a fellow dancer, and an absolutely extraordinary human being. I have so much love and respect for her, and I'm honored to share space with her on the podcast today, and I'm excited for all of you to get to know her and hear her extraordinary journey. Hillary is dedicated to helping her clients reclaim their power to heal. As a complex trauma survivor and spending years struggling with addiction and compulsive behaviors, her mission is to share her experience, strength, and wisdom with others. She has always had a strong connection to all aspects of the human body, beginning her career as a classically trained dancer before falling in love with yoga. She holds a master's degree in human relations and has worked as a professional counselor in the fields of child abuse, neglect, drug, alcohol addiction, and disordered eating. After the birth of her daughter, Hillary began pursuing her passion as a yoga instructor, Thai practitioner, personal trainer, and empowerment coach, helping others to feel safe and strong in their bodies. She now combines her wide range of skills into her work with trauma survivors, as well as those suffering from obsessive or compulsive thoughts and behaviors, drug and alcohol addiction, body dysmorphia, self-sabotaging behaviors, chronic pain, anxiety, and depression, and general nervous system dysregulation. She is a practicing new fit practitioner and has added the FDA-approved Newbie device's unique capacity for nervous system re-education and regulation to complement her existing work and help her clients heal at a neurological level. Wow. So many amazing things, Hillary. Please welcome to the podcast our guest, Hillary. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm so happy to be doing this with you. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. So I think the question everyone wants to know is how did you meet your twin flame? Let's start there. Okay, let's start there. So um, I'm going to say that I connected with my twin flame about five years ago. Um, it is somebody that I knew um, that was kind of around um, and actually was a bit triggering to me um, before I knew him, which is interesting. Um, and then about five years ago, I was in a pretty dark place personally. I'm going to call it the rock bottom of my life. Um, I was at the end of a nasty divorce um, from an abusive relationship, and I was at the height of my alcoholism. So this is someone that I knew. And for some reason, I was compelled to reach out to him. And once I did, everything kind of happened quickly. It started with some communication followed by him visiting my yoga studio, and our connection was pretty immediate and very intense. So one day he came into my studio, um, and I was struggling. I was having a rough day and broke down in tears, and he held me, <laughs> and he comforted me in a way that I just desperately needed. So um, he made me feel super safe. And from there, things really developed into um, an intimate relationship quickly. It was reckless. I was drinking heavily and he was married. 
at my rock bottom with alcohol after being discharged from the emergency room, <laughs> um, I had left with an alcohol level far beyond what should have killed me. And he came to my house and I was pretty heavy into the um, the detox process. I was shaking and sweating and, and having, you know, all the things that go with alcohol withdrawal without any kind of medication. And he, again, held me. And he promised me that he would hold me until I stopped shaking. And he did. <laughs> and I didn't want that to end. It was the <laughs> safest feeling that I had ever felt. And I immediately felt that I just needed him and couldn't live without him. I think it was a matter of days before I told him that I thought I was falling in love with him. And I will never forget his response to me telling him that. And what he said was, quote, girl, you have no business falling in love right now. Mm. Wow. And he was absolutely right. But I didn't care because I needed love so much. So I was very desperate and empty. And I was terrified about what was happening in my life. I didn't know where I was going to go, where I was going to end up. And so our time together kind of just grew and grew exponentially, you know, hanging out here and there became daily contact, became daily meetings, became, um, you know, spending every moment that we could together. And he became my best friend. So when we were together, everything was always, I don't know, it just felt right. It felt perfect. We would spend hours just talking over coffee, riding our bikes. We'd go on walks. We'd hold each other close. And it was like nothing I'd ever experienced. It was true intimacy at a soul level. So it was friendship, but it was also love. And he saw me in my most vulnerable moments. And for me, having someone see me like that and still want to take care of me and still love me was the biggest gift I could have received. That being said, I also did the same for him. His father um, passed during that time, and I held space for him and for his heart. Um, and we shared everything. We shared our hopes. We shared our fears. We shared our secrets and our stories. And it was kind of like having that person, you know, that that knows all of you, that you're not afraid to be yourself with. I could be authentic. I could be vulnerable. I could, you know, um, it was just beautiful. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. But the problem was that he never stopped being married. <laughs> He assured me numerous times that his marriage was a facade, that it was a, oh, kind of a business arrangement to keep the peace, to protect his children. And our love and intimacy seemed to far outweigh any guilt and shame that was coming up at that time anyway. So as time went on, our friendship grew. <laughs> and to this day, I'll say that there's nobody that really knows me the way in which he does or did. So our relationship started to become more painful over time. 
Um, you know, it started out where I kind of convinced myself that I was okay with just receiving, you know, the crumbs that he left me or the little bit of time that he was able to spend with me. And I justified it in my head that I didn't really need anything else. And it was kind of a, a perfect arrangement. Um, but over time, that that pain started to deepen. You know, I can still feel the pain of him leaving mid-coffee date to go jumpstart his wife's car, of him hurriedly dropping me off at the door when we had plans because his daughter needed help with something. And our time together was precious, but it started to become filled with anxiety for me and dread about when he was gonna leave and how long it was gonna last and when I was gonna see him again. So I became very attached. I became very anxious and I became very um, just lost in what to do because what I could see on the outside and how I felt on the inside about him and about us didn't match. Um, so I was a secret, even though he assured me that I was not. And he effortlessly kind of flaunted me as a friend, you know, took me in public, made me feel safe um, and somehow justified my presence in his life. Um, he told the truth, but he was also telling a lie. And he made me feel like I was all he ever wanted, but at the end of every day, his life was somewhere else. As the pain became greater and I started pushing it away um, because I was afraid I would lose him completely. I was afraid if I spoke my truth, if I admitted that this was painful, that, that I would lose the only thing that made me feel safe in the world at that time. <clears throat> and continue to kind of convince myself that that's really like all I needed. I'll never forget the feeling of being so special when he showed up to my house with a bouquet of flowers and a handwritten card for Valentine's Day only to see later that afternoon on social media that his wife had received the same thing. It broke my heart and my anxiety grew. <laughs> Every holiday would provoke dread and fear and anxiety, wondering where he would be, how I would be alone, how I would fill my time. And I basically kind of just found myself in a deep rut with this relationship and the suffering eventually became great enough that I knew I had to end it. I had to end the suffering one way or the other. So at this point in time, um, I think this was around COVID where a lot of things were kind of brought to light and I started challenging him. I started questioning him. I started um, giving him ultimatums, making demands, saying, you know, I need to know what, what you're going to do. I need to know what this looks like. I, I need to know that, you know, I was looking for security. I was looking for an answer. I was looking for something solid. And all he, he could tell me time and time again was that he wanted to be with me and that it was just very complicated. So I clung to that um, until I didn't. So I tried to break it off a couple times and the magnetic connection between us was just so intense that it's like without even making the decision, here we were back again, holding each other, hugging each other, crying together. 
And it was almost like I didn't know if I could could stop it, if I could control myself. So I eventually fled. And <laughs> my first flee from this twin flame relationship was all the way to England. So I told him I was leaving. I packed up my bags. I booked a one-way ticket to the UK and I didn't intend on coming back. I had a friend over there, so I had a little place to kind of stay. And I guess in my mind, I thought, you know, the further I can get away, the easier it'll be to not feel the feelings that I was feeling. But once I arrived after about a week, I started to sink into a deep depression and all I wanted to do was come home. So that pull brought me back home where we connected again and we talked and we talked about the situation and we heard each other's feelings and he seemed to listen. He seemed to understand. And there's part of me that I thought maybe he was going to do something different, but it never really changed. So it kind of continued to transform over time, taking different shapes, but my pain continued to intensify. And down deep in my soul, I knew I needed to get out of this. I knew I had to create a life for myself. So in my second attempt to flee, I began driving all over the United States looking for somewhere to move, to create a new life. I looked into New Mexico. I drove through Arizona. I spent a week down the coast of Southern California, where you are. Um, I had some job interviews in those places. Uh, didn't really find my vibe. And then eventually, I made a connection in Florida. Um, which is where I ended up moving. And even up until I left, we continued to spend time together. It was very pain-filled time with a lot of tears, but we didn't not want to take advantage of our time together either. It was just a very confusing time. He understood my decision, but he was very angry. And when I left, things drastically changed in our relationship. He blamed me for leaving. He accused me of abandoning him. And I blamed him for not telling the truth. And we spent a lot of time arguing back and forth once I moved on and off periods of talking, periods in separation. And it was very rocky. And it was like I felt like we needed to really not have contact, but I also didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how not to need him, how not to want to talk to him. And I thought that we would just kind of drift from there. I thought the distance and the, and the stress and that it would just kind of take care of itself, but it didn't. And he eventually came to visit and then he came to visit again. And he came to visit numerous times. And where I had cut off, I guess, that place of longing, he kind of opened it back up for me with a little bit of hope, with a little bit of, well, gosh, he's traveling across the country to come spend time with me. Maybe he's changed his mind. Maybe he's really going to do the work. Maybe he's going to be brave. Maybe he's going to tell the truth. Maybe he's going to choose me. But he never did. And he would repeatedly tell me that I was the only one he wanted and there was nothing more that he wanted. But he would also repeatedly tell me that he felt that his hands were tied, that he had no way out um, because of his business, because of his children, because of what people thought, whatever it might be. 
um, he was unwilling to make that move. But he didn't really say that initially, but I felt it. So when my, I call it when my pain exceeded my pleasure in the situation, I gave him an ultimatum and I demanded answers. And I think at this point in time, Michelle, you and I were already working together and things were very on and off with where I was in my heart about it. But I knew I needed to hear the answer. So I pushed him and pushed him until he told me, I'm just not as strong as you. I can't do it. Mm. To which I said, thank you. That's what I needed to hear. Take a minute, Hillary. This is so much. And, you know, yeah, we were in session, but there's so much of this I had never heard. And I, I think for everyone listening, listen to the end because the transformation that you have done is absolutely incredible. Just even for me to hear the details of this beginning mm -hmm. is just extraordinary how far you've come, Hillary. You Thank are you. so courageous. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so that was it. That was the truth. After, gosh, you know, I don't know, four years, maybe it was finally out there. He wasn't going to change the situation. And I couldn't stay in the pain I was in and survive. And we loved each other so much. So we tried to remain friends. <laughs> it, it was just too hard. There was so much grief. There was so much jealousy. There was so much insecurity. And it got the both of us. Our last text communication was on my birthday of last year, where he was angry and he basically told me I was selfish. And I didn't respond and we never spoke again. We've had a couple of minor correspondences since then um, through the mail, very generic in nature, just I'm always thinking of you. You're always in my heart, always in my prayers. Nothing really more than that. So I know that the deep love for one another still exists under all of it. And now I'm in a place where I can honestly say I really do wish him well and have come to terms that knowing that he's just on his own path, which is very different from mine. Um, that being said, my heart is forever changed. So that's sort of the <laughs> the story of of meeting till today just in yeah. what happened between he and I. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that vulnerable and so raw story. So and I really know, I know that a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this. So thank you. And so, Hillary, when did you figure out that this was a different type of relationship that, and, and put the label twin flame on it and, and start to understand that this is bigger than the two of you in a way? Right. Um, so I would say that it, I was already here in Florida and I was in, in this place of not understanding why I couldn't let this go. Um, you know, with my history of toxic relationships and I, I got really good at compartmentalizing. I got really good at the end of relationships when I was in pain and just shutting the door and slamming it and shutting people out and shutting myself down and never talking to someone again. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. 
I couldn't get rid of him. I couldn't get him out of my heart. I couldn't stop crying about him. I couldn't, um, I couldn't let go. And I didn't know why. And so inadvertently, um, through talking with, you know, some close friends and some other healers, I had two different people say to me kind of in a short period of time, have you ever looked into twin flames? Have you ever considered this might be a twin flame? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Cause I didn't really, you know, I didn't really understand the concept. So I kind of looked into it. And I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. This looks kind of like a lot of romantic, like mumbo jumbo to me, like those, you know, people who are trying to justify being with someone that they shouldn't be with, or, you know, I was kind of creating the scenario in my head, but I was, I was looking into it because something resonated. And it was actually when I stumbled upon your podcast and listened to the very, I think first episode probably that I was like, oh my gosh, this makes sense. Mm. Oh my gosh, this resonates. And I knew that our situation was the situation. I knew that I was having this experience. I knew that there was a deeper connection and that there was a meaning behind it and that there was something that was supposed to happen that, that, all of this couldn't just be to be grief stricken and in pain for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And what do you think that is now? On the other side of this pain, you've come so far. So, I mean, maybe share share for everyone where you are now. Well, so the healing has been immense. <laughs> um, from where I was five years ago is huge, but. From where I was a year ago is immense. And his gift to me was, well, it, it's it, there's a few gifts. Um, one gift that he gave to me was when I was in a place where I had no love for myself at all, he made me feel lovable. Mm. And I don't know if I would have made it through that time without that. Mm. So I'm so grateful Mm -hmm. because I do credit him to some extent with my life. Wow. Another gift he gave me was an immense amount of pain and grief. And at the time, a year ago, I didn't understand why, but now I see that that grief was my window to my healing. And it was an opportunity to look at the deeper layers of why I was in so much pain, of why I was so triggered, of why this hurt so much and why I couldn't get over it. And through listening to you and through working with you and doing, you know, other work. And I realized and I learned that everything that I was looking for in him were the things that I was missing in myself. Mm, Beautiful. And I was so triggered and pained by feeling like he was abandoning me every day when he would leave me. But the reality is I was abandoning myself by not tending tending to my own needs. Mm. And, you know, I was triggered because I didn't feel like I was good enough or that I was worthy of all of his time or being number one but I realized that I had never put myself first. So everything that was causing me pain in my relationship with him was pain that I 
had been and was creating within myself because I didn't truly believe in myself. And I knew, I knew all the right things. I'd been in the field for 20, 30 years, helping other people find their own worth, feel safe in their bodies, find confidence, find, you know, let go of toxic patterns and relationships. I mean, it's what I do. And so I guess part of me felt so much shame for not being able to do it in my own life. Yeah. It's hard because we all have our own blind spots when it comes to our healing. There's things that it's hard to see within ourselves. Right. And I think that, you know, most of my life, I always had the knowledge, um, but I was really stuck in my mind. I was stuck in my thoughts. I was stuck in my masculine. And I kind of had a moment that, you know, I believe I've shared with you that I really started to look at the masculine and feminine parts of myself and what was happening in that interplay. And when I really connected to the idea that the masculine was was my thoughts, it was my mind, it was this, this voice, um, this traumatized voice, this old voice, this, you know, you're not good enough voice that was always running and really was able to sink into my body as the feminine nature, I, I stopped for a minute and I thought, if you really look at a relationship, let's get 3D with, you know, feminine, masculine, let's say, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, however you want to call it. I looked at my mind through that lens and I thought, I would never accept these thoughts, this behavior, or this treatment from anybody else in my life. I would call it abusive. I would call it narcissistic. I would call it just plain awful to talk to somebody the way that I was allowing my mind to talk to myself. And that was a big moment because it showed me how much power I had to heal that. Mm. But that healing wasn't outside. It wasn't some thing that was going to come and, and, and catapult me forward into healing. But it was, it was something that I had to sit with and look at and say, well, that's not okay. So I started developing this relationship with my thoughts. And when a thought would come, I'd literally be like, fuck off. I don't know if I can say that <laughs> on the podcast, but <laughs> and so and I did. I had to literally almost talk to my own thoughts, like someone who was standing up for herself in a really in an abusive relationship. I love that. I love that so much. I think it's gonna resonate and so helpful. Yeah. And it just it helped me to get present yeah. and to be aware of when the thoughts would come up. And it also allowed me to drop into my feminine more where I started to acknowledge that I was deserving of love mm. and that I wasn't abandonable, if that's oh, a word. It is now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I made it up. If it's not a word, no. And that. I deserve to be a priority and that I have a voice that needs to be heard because in that relationship, I lost my voice. I literally lost my voice. I literally had my vocal cords completely repaired because I lost my voice. And so part of this process has been reclaiming that because the way the relationship was set up. I almost took this vow of silence, of not being authentic, of not being in the truth, of not being bold and proud about the relationship that I was in and the love I was feeling. And I kind of shrunk myself 
and hid myself and isolated myself um, to where the only person I was really interacting with was him because it was a secret. And what I realized in reflection is that, you know, he filled my cup when I needed it, but eventually he drained it dry. He gave me the things I needed. Like he made me feel safe, which is why I needed him. But in the end, he was the most unsafe person of all because every day he left. And so just looking at the things that he brought to me were the same things that got stripped away. And that's what made me have to really look at the pain that was lying under the surface of all of it. And he triggered my deepest wounds. He, He triggered my mother wounds. He triggered everything I didn't get that I needed as a child. And he triggered it in this relationship to be looked at and to be dealt with and to be addressed and to be embodied and to be processed and to be healed. And I've done that work with you. You were so committed to this healing process. And it's that commitment that got you to where you are. I mean, the transformation in a year is just incredible. And I just loved how you summed up, filled your cup, and then he drained it dry. But that's such the twin flame thing to show us the love we're worth, right? Mm -hmm. And then they leave to say, okay, now you do it. You've got this. Don't rely on the external, right? This is the false bill of goods we've been sold is that the external is going to keep that cup filled up. Yes. And, and, and that's exactly what I, I eventually found in that is that everything, not just in, in the twin flame relationship, but, but every relationship I had been in and every drug and alcohol that I had abused and every time that you know, I abused my body or engaged in compulsive behaviors or, you know, whatever that, that all of it was that I was seeking something outside of myself to quote, fill my cup, to fill this aching, empty space inside of me when it was really, I was the only one that could fill that up. And when I came to the awareness that it was my job to feel whole, it was my job to recognize that I was good enough and that I was complete and that I was worth it, that's when things started to change in my life. Yes, say more about that because it's so exciting. So it's really cool. So, and I have to say before I go here that I have to, I remember in, in a session with you and I and I think, I don't know how I verbalized it, but I remember how I felt. And I remember sitting here going, I see, I see what I want. I see that freedom. I, I see it in you. I hear it in other stories. And I want that so bad. I I want to just walk into the world and just be authentically me and not give a shit about what anyone thinks. I want that kind of freedom. But then I acknowledged that I, I felt like I was kind of like bound, like I could see it, but I didn't know how to get there. And it was like there was this space between where I was and where I wanted to be. And I didn't know how to let go. I didn't know how to let go of wanting to reach out to him. I didn't know how to let go of the attachment to him. I didn't know how to stop falling into that. I didn't know even how to cut off communication at that time and not feel like I was going to die. I really felt like if I didn't talk to him again, I might die. Yeah. And so what I realized is that I kept waiting for something or someone to kind of like push me or pull me or go, here's the way to healing. (laughs) 
But the reality is I had to step into my fear and I had to face it and I had to be courageous and I had to be very vulnerable and be willing to talk about this and be willing to share it and be willing to release all of the shame that I felt around this and that I felt around all of the other things in my life that I had been carrying around. And I think the shame is the hardest part to overcome. I think shame is just so challenging. Um, you know, grief passes with time, but shame like almost sits inside. Mm. So for me, a lot of it was really dropping into my body and being able to drop into my my emotions, to look at my dreams, to really look at what was going on and to be able to look at the younger parts of me that needed healing. And that was a huge part of my personal work. I know it's different for everyone, but for me, I had all these fragmented parts that were all in survival mode for different reasons from different traumas. And I had just kind of compartmentalized them and put them aside because on the outside, like I was a very high functioning trauma survivor. I mean, nobody would say, man, she really struggles, but on the inside, I was just a disaster. I was distraught. It was in a lot of pain. Um, so it was a it was a process of of turning that inward to myself and learning to believe in myself. And, and it wasn't easy. It's not like I flipped a switch and then I loved myself. And even today, there's days when when I'm grief stricken and I have to sit with the emotion and go, what's coming up here? Go through it and then get back, you know, get back on my boat or whatever. Um, one thing I started doing <laughs> is. So I don't know, I'm sure other twins out there have the same experience, but we have we have songs. We have different songs that we would listen to together. We would send each other and go, this makes me think of you. And oh my gosh, this is so us. Or, you know, that kind of embody your journey. And when those songs used to come on, I would feel very triggered. I would feel very upset. I would just feel like the grief was just coming out of me. And it was just so painful that I would turn them off. I would listen to something else. And so something I started doing is I started playing the songs and imagining that instead of singing that to someone I love, that I'm singing it to myself. Love that. As it sounds, it, no, it's, I life love changing. That. it's life changing. And the amount of emotion that just flows, mm. I really turn those words around. And, and, you know, I'm a dancer by nature and I love music and music feeds my soul. So for me, music is a, is a way that I heal. And listening to music and moving to music. So being able to, and this is, you know, part of the twin journey is turning that love around to ourselves. I do it through music. Love that. And it was easy for me because I didn't have to come up with the words. The words were already there. I just had to direct them back to me. And so go, good. oh, no, I'm not singing about him anymore. I'm singing about me. I'm the one I can't live without. I'm the <laughs> one that, you know what I mean? I'm the one yes. that makes me feel safe. And I had to really learn to believe in myself again. It it was like starting over. And I had to learn to also restore trust in myself. And that was a big part of it was, was restoring the trust that I could rely on myself, that I wasn't going to break my own promises, that I wasn't going to reach out to him, that I wasn't going to go drink, that I wasn't going to go engage in compulsive behaviors, that I was going to stay present, that I was going to stay in this space of feeling anything that comes up and allowing it, whether it felt good or not so good. Because like you said, I was at a place in my life where my true rock bottom was not my alcohol, but it was my heart saying, I can't grieve 
anymore like this. I can't be in survival mode anymore like this. I want to be a light in the world. I want to help people. And I had this realization that my whole life, my whole career, I had spent helping people. I worked with children who had been neglected. I worked with drug and alcohol, you know, clients. I These were all things that I think I was trying to heal myself through in the outside world. And I realized that if I healed those things within myself, I could actually be much more effective in helping people heal those things in the outside world. Mm, beautiful. And, and so a big shift did happen in your external world. So a big show. Yes. Okay. So get back. <laughs> to that. So, so when I stopped abandoning myself, when I started believing in myself, when I tried to move from this place of fear-based energy into really my spiritual connection, which was very much lacking in my life up until this point. So I also credit my twin with my spiritual awakening. Everything around me started mirroring that. And I realized that I actually create my reality and that my whole life, the beliefs I had about myself, that I wasn't worth it, that everyone was going to leave me, that I needed to hide parts of myself to be accepted, or if somebody knew something about me that they, you know, that would be another reason to leave. That's what I was attracting in my life. I was attracting people that abandoned me. I was attracting people that didn't believe I was good enough. I was attracting people that didn't trust me. So when I was able to restore those things within myself for myself, everything around me shifted and the people that started coming into my life, the opportunities that started being presented to me. Um, and my life has changed so much that I don't even know how to explain it. I have a beautiful life here in Florida. I live very happily with my sweet dog Snickers um, in a beautiful- but Like I remember like this new housing situation just like fell into your lap. And yes, like I have a beautiful home. little home apartment with a wonderful roommate that just kind of came to me as a blessing at a time that I needed it. Um, I have a new kind of collaborative business opportunity that's happening right now as we speak, which- kind of is like the big icing on the cake and it was it, and it coincided with some of my icing on the cake yeah the more that I turn it inward the less that I grieve mm. and the feelings do dissipate to an extent they're there the connections there the love is there the the sadness is there for what could have been but not keeping me from being whole because I have found that within myself. Oh, I have such goosebumps. So beautifully said, Hillary. And I witness it. It is so true. And honestly, what it what it took for me was just the willingness to step to step into the shadows. Yeah. And it's not easy to do. And it's not easy to do. And and what I'm learning is, you know, and we all know that healing is not linear, but but it takes daily work to step into the shadows because the shadows are sneaky yeah. and they pop up when I don't expect them. And the triggers happen and, you know, a song comes on or you drive by a place and your heart falls mm. into your belly and, you know, you you have those moments. And, and, and I just have to keep coming back to remembering what my purpose is because I have a really big one. <laughs> Do you want to share what it is? 
my purpose is to help others. My my purpose is to share my experience to help other people feel safe in moving forward. My purpose is to hold space for people. And it doesn't matter what that looks like. It doesn't matter if I'm holding space with someone during a personal training or a muscular rehabilitation session, or if I'm holding space in a more therapeutic setting, or if I'm holding space on the yoga mat, um, I want to create a safe space that allows people to see their own life, you know, receive the gift that I received from my twin, which was when I was down and out and didn't believe in myself, somebody did. And it was enough glimmer to make me research that further. That is so good. What do you want other twin flames to know? That it does get better, that it is hard work, but my best piece of advice would be to step courageously into your fear, to trust that the connection and the love and the bond that is shared with this person is never broken. And when you find that peace, things do open up. Things do smooth out and you can find what looks like life on the other side. Oh my God. Perfect. That was so good. I'm like very moved by that. If people wanted to reach you and work with you, where can they find you? Okay. Well, I'm all over the place, but the best way to find me is um, I would direct you to my website, which is kind of where you can learn about all the things I do and who I am. And it's www.currentmanifestationssrq.com. Or you can find me on Instagram where I do some creative posting and thought provoking at hot yoga mama 75. <laughs> yes, hot yoga mama. I love that. That's a <laughs> funny name. It's really funny because now I kind of look at the name. I'm like, that's kind of a silly name, but it kind of like I got it and it stuck, like whatever Instagram first started. But it was because I taught a lot of hot yoga and I was a mom. It wasn't because I felt like I was like a hot yoga mama. Well, you also are a hot yoga mama. So I think it works in both ways. (laughs) I'll put all those, I'll put those in the show notes as well. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Hillary, it's so inspiring to listen to this. And it took such courage for you to even share this story and to come on here and be so vulnerable. But the outcome where you are and the light that you just bring to the world, I just want to say thank you for the work you've done. Because your light is so bright and all the people that get a benefit from it, you know, I know it was hard to go through it, but the other side is so, we're all, I'm benefiting by just looking at you right now, (laughs) you know, that's so beautiful. Thank you. And that is one more thing that I do want to say or share is that it's so worth it. I, my life is so abundant. I have never felt this kind of gratitude. I I am oozing in gratitude every day when I wake up for the life that I have every night when I lay down. And I would have never imagined that I would ever get to this place. I would have never imagined that I could feel this fullness. And I just want people to know that it is always possible. Wow. That is the perfect way to end this. I don't think I could top that. Thank you. And I'm so grateful for you Because honestly, I don't know if I would have made this journey. I know I wouldn't be here now in this place without your support and guidance. Um, And thank you for letting me share my story, because this is also healing for me to share it in a public forum for the first time. 
So. Oh, oh, you're so welcome. My honor, my pleasure. Thank you, Hillary. Thank you. I hope that episode with Hillary was inspiring. And Hillary would love to hear from any listeners who want to connect. And all her information is in the show notes. So thank you all for being on this journey, for doing your work. There's a big shift happening. I feel it. I witness it. It's really, really exciting to be here at this time. Sending you all so much love. Namaste. Namaste.